0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. So if you would open up your Bibles to James chapter 2, and if you would take your teaching notes out of your worship guide, and after you do that, I have some photos that I'd like for you to look at this morning. There are actually three of them. And after you look at each photo, um, I want you to respond by either saying real or fake. Okay? Real or fake? So here's the first photo. Is that real or is that fake? Real. Well, you're wrong if you said real. This is actually a cake. I don't have a picture of a slice out of it, but could you imagine to have such skill that you could create a cake that looked really like a bag of rice? So that's fake. Uh, let's put up the second one. Real or fake? Well, there's, there's, mix, there's mix in here. Once again, it's fake. That is another cake that's made to look like a piece of pizza. And finally, the third photo. Bacon and eggs. Real or fake? That is fake. That is a cake. That is a cake. Can you imagine having that much creative skill? That is a cake. That is made to look like bacon and eggs. It's kind of hard to believe. Uh, I show you those photos because in essence, that's really uh, what James is going to challenge us with today. Real or fake? True or or false? As we look at the remainder of chapter 2, he's going to zero in on faith that is real versus faith that is false. The passage that we're going to look at today, James chapter 2, verses uh, 14 through 26 Um, is uh, a challenging passage uh, or has been for some time with many theologians, many commentators. It's often misunderstood. It's often misinterpreted. Um, And some theologians have actually wanted to reject it, feel like it shouldn't be in the Bible. Why? Because they've interpreted that what James is saying is at odds with what the Apostle Paul wrote when he wrote about faith. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, we're saved by faith, and faith alone. And there's the belief that, well, James is saying something different. Well, I want to put that belief to rest. There is no conflict. These two men are on the same team fighting the same battle. It's just that they're presenting two sides of the same coin. As Paul writes, he, he, he teaches us that we are saved by faith and faith alone. He is dealing with the source of our faith. As James writes, he's writing about faith over works. He's writing about the fruit of our faith, the evidence of our faith. Uh, one, uh, I love this, one uh, theologian kind of described it this way. Uh, I, I love visuals. And he said, it's kind of like when the Apostle Paul was writing, he was sitting in his living room looking at the fire in the fireplace But when James was writing, it's like he was up on the roof watching the smoke come out of the chimney. And for James, the evidence that there was fire in the fireplace is that there was smoke in the chimney. And it's the same kind of point that really he's going to make throughout this passage. So we're going to start reading the passage. Um, It's with that context, I think, that we can better understand what James is saying. So again, as I've been doing in past weeks, I'm going to read a little bit. It will talk a little bit. There will be times you think, are we going to make it through the passage? And the answer is yes, we will get through the end of the chapter. So would you follow along as I begin reading in uh, chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them. Just like last week when Paul dealt with the topic of favoritism, he got straight to the point once again today, he immediately makes his purpose known. In no uncertain terms, he makes it known that he's going to address the relationship between faith and works. And he does so by presenting a scenario of someone who claims to have faith, Yet this person who makes this claim to have faith has no evidence of faith in their lives. And so he immediately challenges this claim with a question. And he says, can such faith save them? In other words, if you just claim to have faith and there's no evidence of that faith in your life, is that true faith? Is that saving faith? Here's my personal paraphrase of the point he's making. If a person's faith is just lip service, if it's lip service only and there's nothing to back it up, is it saving faith? That, that's really what, what, what James is asking. It's, a, it's another one of his rhetorical questions which he's famous for throughout this letter. In other words, the answer is understood and his answer is no, this is not saving faith. And immediately, as we look at verse 14, it should help us understand that these verses really aren't a contrast between faith and works. But instead, they're a contrast between true faith and false faith. Mm -hmm. Um, You may recall, if you were here in our first week of the study, um, James, we talked about the fact that James, as compared to other New Testament writers, scarcely mentions Jesus in the five chapters of the book of James. This is his half-brother. What's up with that? Is he kind of mad at him or something? He's not. But he, he scarcely... Other New Testament writers that talk about Jesus, and, and James does it. But what we did um, identify is that though he doesn't talk about Jesus much, he draws from the teachings of Jesus, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, and there are some 15 indirect references to the Sermon on the Mount, and verse 14, and really everything we're going to look at today is one of those times, it's one of those references, so I want you to listen as I read from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, it's part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it says, this is Jesus speaking, not everyone who says to me, 'Lord, Lord,' Lord, me, You evildoers. In context, when Jesus preached and when James wrote, there were those who claimed to have miraculous powers and there were those who um, uh, uh, prophesied, they said in Jesus' name, but the reality was they were actually false disciples. They were prophesying in Jesus' name or they were claiming these miraculous powers in Jesus' name for their own self-gain, for their own popularity, for their self-acclaim. So the point that Jesus is making in the Sermon on the Mount is that miraculous powers and prophetic words do not give proof to true faith. Miraculous words and prophetic powers. In other words, they will be, Lord, Lord, did we not perform miracles in your name? Do we not speak uh, words of prophecy in your name? And Jesus is saying, just because you make that claim, because I'm onto you, I know that you were doing it for self-gain. That, that, that doesn't prove that you have real faith. He said, only the ones who do my will have true faith. And then James affirms this by saying, it's possible to claim to have true faith But it's not true faith if there's not evidence. So throughout what we've been seeing is James talks about the fact that if we have true faith, the evidence of the presence of Jesus is seen through the goodness that flows out of our life. So what's our takeaway from verse 14? This is one of those times where we say, are we going to make it through chapter? Yeah, true faith is more than what we say. We could say the right thing. But unless there's evidence that we, what we say changes how we live, then we're deceiving ourselves. So if we just say, I have faith, but there's no evidence of Jesus in our life. that There's no evidence that having Jesus in our life is changing how we live our lives, then we're deceiving ourselves. Um, again, just like last week. Uh, James proves his point with an illustration. He offers a scenario of someone who's guilty of lip service, their big talk and no action. So listen as I read verses 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And I'll, I'll, I'll stop right there. Um, let me give you kind of a relevant version of that. What if you were uh, out walking in your neighborhood and you encountered one of your neighbors and um, you said, how are you doing? And so they decided to actually tell you how they're doing instead of saying, good, you know, they're going to actually tell you. And so you begin to hear this story. And the story is, uh, she says, my, my husband lost his job uh, several months ago. And uh, we've been living on our savings, but the savings is gone. And to be really honest, if you want to know how we're doing... We're down to nothing. We don't even have food in our pantry. We don't know where the next meal's coming from. And school started. And guess what? Our kids, they outgrew their shoes. And we don't have the money. We don't have the money to buy them shoes. I'm not sure what we're going to do. And here's your response. Christian uh, lingo. Well, God bless you. You know, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to pray that God sends somebody to you with groceries for your pantry. I'm going to pray that they will fill your pantry to overflowing. And I'm going to pray that that same person will just slip you an envelope with money and it will be just enough to buy every one of your kids a pair of shoes for school with a little left over. Yep, that's how I'm going to pray for you because I believe that God can do that well, got to go now, but be blessed, have peace. Hey, be sure to send me a text message, an email. Uh, give me a phone call and let me know how that goes. I'll be curious to see who God sends to you. That That's pretty modern day, right? Have you ever had something like that transpire in your life? For instance, um, have, you ever, um, have you ever been driving down the road and you see... Uh, Someone's stranded on the side of the road. They have a flat tire. And you can tell by just looking. You slow down just enough to look and you can tell they don't, they don't know what to do. And you, God, I pray you send somebody to change that tire. Because i got to go. I, 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 it really, this, this is the point. This is the point that, that, that he's making. Uh, um, his conclusion, uh, and it's found in verse 17, is this. He says, um, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead. Listen to how this reads in the New Living Testament, verse 17. It says, so you see, faith itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. So it's not Enough to just say I have faith. We are saved by faith and faith alone. But that faith is not to remain alone. The presence of Jesus in our lives makes a difference in how we live our lives. And goodness begins to flow. Um, just another quick quick. imagine if. What if next Sunday um, uh, when, I, when I got here, um, I, I was just really excited to show you uh, my, my new lemon tree. And, and actually, I brought a lemon tree that was, that was standing up here beside me. And I was just so excited. And I was telling you all about my lemon tree. And so you say, well, Pastor Stan, what are you going to do with that lemon tree? And I said, well, I'm going to pick those lemons. And I'm going to make some lemonade. And I'm going to make a lemon meringue pie. And it's going to be so good. And you look kind of puzzled. And finally, you say to me, um, Pastor Stan, I, I don't know. If, maybe you've lost touch with reality. But you're not going to make any lemonade with those lemons, and you're not going to make a pie, because that, that tree's fake. It's an artificial tree. There there's there's no life. There's no life in that tree. And again, this is the kind of point that James is making. When we say we have faith, but there's no evidence of that faith, then um, it's it's not a real faith. It's a false faith. It's useless, it's worthless, it's ineffective, it's not accomplishing anything. Here's the bottom line. Think about it this way. Faith is invisible. Would you agree with me that that actually our faith is invisible? So the only absolute way to be certain that faith is real is by the fruit it produces. Back to the picture of the smoke coming out of the chimney is evidence that there's fire in the fireplace. The only absolute way to be certain that faith is real is by the fruit it produces. Listen to what Billy Graham said about real saving faith. He said, faith that saves, <clears throat> excuse, me, excuse me, has one distinguishing quality. Saving faith is a faith that produces obedience. It is a faith that brings about a way of life. True faith changes the way we live our lives. Again, the presence of Jesus in our lives causes transformation and it causes us to live life a different way. But what else does James have to say in this passage? Listen as I read verses eighteen and nineteen. Um, but someone will say, "You have faith; I have deeds." Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they they shudder. I want to read that same verse again in the New Living Translation. I've been reading from this a lot lately. I just like the way it says. Uh, that same verse says. Now someone might argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. In a sense, it's like Paul introduces this imaginary person. We don't know that this is really happening. So th- this this imaginary person and this imaginary person is saying, Hey, I object to what you're saying, James. I actually object to what you're saying. Uh, and what's his objection? In essence, this man is saying, you know, a commitment to Jesus can be expressed in a lot of different ways. Some people will express their commitment to Jesus by making a claim that I believe in Jesus. And other people will express their commitment to Jesus by the goodness in their life, by the good works they do. It's really not a big deal. It's really not a big deal at all because at the end of the day, they both have faith. And James challenges this thinking. He challenges this thinking. He says, if it's at all possible then, if what you're saying is true, then prove it. Show me your faith. Show me that it exists. Because I most certainly can show you my faith. It's evident by the fruit of my life. James isn't bragging Once again, he's just making, when the presence of Jesus is active in your life, it changes the way you live, and there's a goodness that flows out because of it. Think of the relationship between faith and works like this. We receive life in Christ through faith. Does everybody agree on that? We receive life in Christ through faith. We reveal that life through the goodness that flows from our lives as a result of Of that faith. So again, we're saved by faith and faith alone. But true faith causes there to be a change in how we live our lives. Now, I read verse 19 a minute ago from NIV. But I want you to listen to verse 19 from the uh, New Living Translation. It says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. I suppose we could... um, enter into a theology of demons right now, but we're not going to do that. That's not what the message is about. Um, But I will say this. Scripture tells us that the demons are monotheistic. They believe that there's one God. And uh, they know, they fully understand the birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the ultimate return of Christ And because they know that it's true, they shudder. But they're demons and they're not saved. They're not. Even the demons know and they shudder. But but, but they're not saved. Think about it this way. The very fact that the demons believe is proof that lip service is not evidence of true faith. Our faith is more than what we believe. Having a right theology and facts alone will not save you. It's faith in the work of Christ alone partnered with the actions. And I, I said this several times in the first service. I want to say it here. Please understand, James is not teaching that we're saved by faith, but works must accompany that. For your salvation. He is in agreement that we are saved by faith alone. But again, true faith causes a difference in how we live our lives. Think about this. It is very easy for us to gain volumes and volumes and volumes of information and knowledge about God and about Jesus, about the Bible, about the Holy Spirit. But as long as that information, as long as that knowledge stays lodged here in our heads, it's of little value. It has to drop from the head down into the heart. And that happens by a work of the Holy Spirit. Which means we have to be open to. We have to have a desire for the Holy Spirit to do that work. Because when we allow the knowledge, the information to become something that we believe in our hearts, that's when transformation begins to take place. And it's as that transformation is taking place that the good works, the goodness begins to flow from our lives because we're learning how to live like Jesus. Let's finish up the chapter. Um, James finishes up the challenge by asking yet again another question, and he gives two examples. So let me read the rest of the chapter, beginning in verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? Uh, when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And this is that area where um, the, the controversy or the, the confusion about the passage. So is, is James teaching that we're saved by works? Or is he teaching that we're saved by faith? Again, listen, there's no conflict. So to understand this, I'm going to have to take you back. Um, Genesis fifteen verse six. It says, "Abram, who later became Abraham, Abram believed the Lord, and it, he he, credit, he credited to him as righteousness." So it's it's, it's 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 certain there. He he was credited as being righteous because he believed. So then, after this, in Genesis twenty two. After, he, after, because he believed, it was credited to him for righteousness, we find the story of Abram, who's now Abraham, taking his son Isaac to present him as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the passage in uh, Genesis 22 begins with, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And Abraham passed the test. And here's why he passed the test. Not because he actually ended up sacrificing his son, because he didn't do that, did he? But it was because of his willingness to obey God. If you you recall the story, as they were uh, on their way up to the mount for this this sacrifice, Isaac actually said, well, where's the sacrifice? And and how did Abraham respond? He said, God will provide. All the while, he knew that God had asked him to, to sacrifice his son. So there was a willingness to obey God. And when they got there, what did God do? He provided a ram for the sacrifice. He passed the test. Uh, listen to Romans four three. Paul writes, "What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness." So we see in Genesis chapter fifteen, it was credited to him for right, to righteousness because he believed. Uh, we see the story in Genesis twenty two. Paul affirms it. But now in James 2.21, it says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac? Is there a contradiction between what we read in Genesis and Romans and what James writes? Was, he, uh, was righteousness credited to him because of his faith or because of his works? There's no contradiction. The evidence of Abraham's faith was his willingness. It was his willingness to offer his son. It was while believing that God would provide. It's that that made his faith complete. In other words, because he was willing, that was the evidence of his faith. Uh, James says it well. His faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete. And and this is just an illustration, just like the illustration of Rahab, that uh, we demonstrate our faith by the life that we live, by the actions we take. So what's our takeaway? True faith is, it changes how we live. When we have true faith, that faith is revealed by what we do. It's proved through our actions, and it's shared by our good deeds. Let me say this again. Good works are not the cause of our salvation, but good works are the evidence of our faith. Um, I'm going to close it with this. I'll I, I give you just a, a picture. I love visuals. Um, let's say that uh, you got invited to go to the lake with some of your friends. And um, some of your friends are a little competitive. So you, you, you go to the lake, you get set up, you go got to have a picnic, you got your food, everything's set up. And so he says, hey, look over in the water, there's some, there's some rowboats. Um, there's actually the same number of rowboats as there are people here. Why don't, have, why don't we have a race across the lake? And everybody says, sure, sure. So everybody runs over. They grab their rowboat. They get in. You're the last one to your rowboat. You notice that everyone's, um as they're getting in their boats, they're pulling their two paddles out, their two oars that they're going to row across the lake in. And when you get in your rowboat, you, um, you, you look and you only have one paddle. Just, you just have one paddle. You got, It's okay. I can do this with one paddle. I'm going to win this race. It, it, it's not going to slow me down. And so somebody blows a starting whistle and you begin to hear a splash of water. You look around, everybody's putting their paddles in the, in the lake and they've taken off and they they left you. You go, it's okay. So you use your one paddle to kind of get you out into the deep water. And then once you get, you go, I got this, I'm going to win. And you start paddling. You start rowing with your one paddle. What happens? Everybody else is going forward and you're just doing this. So you change sides. You start rowing the other. What happens? I'm supposed to be going the other way I? Same thing. Same thing. The point is, in the same way that you needed both of those paddles working together, James is saying that faith and works work together. Because of our faith, goodness flows out of our life because of the presence of Jesus in our lives. So, what is it I want us to walk away with today? Maybe you're saying, Pastor, uh, Pastor Stan, are you, are you insinuating that maybe there are people in this room who thought they were saved and they're not? That's not my point. I guess it could be true, but that's not my point. Instead, I'm asking us to assess our lives. Knowing that the presence of Jesus is in us and transforming us is our behavior. Are we living our lives in such a way that people around us can see the evidence of our faith? Is it really happening? Is Jesus, are we allowing Jesus to transform our lives? And that's the only thing that I'm asking today is that we would consider that. So would you bow your heads and would you just take a moment and assess your own life and your own behaviors? Is there evidence of your faith as you live out your daily life Father, I just just pray on behalf of all of us in this room. And I ask that through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to just look truthfully and honestly into our lives. And Father God, um, I pray that at no time in the future from this day would we be guilty of only lip service. But (coughs) because we know you're working in our lives, I pray that the evidence would just flow out. I pray that there would be nothing in us that would hinder that, that would block that, that would be resistant to that. But instead, the work of transformation, because you were living in us, would be so obvious that goodness would follow. Goodness would follow from our lives. Lord, I pray that you transform us, that you change us, that you renew us, that you redeem us, that you restore us, whatever it takes. I pray that we be a people who have our... We realize we're saved by faith and faith alone, but we would have great desire for the fruit to flow from our lives. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just I'll ask the question again this week. Is there anybody here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus? You've never asked Him to be your Savior. You've never acknowledged that you've been separated from Him because of your sin. Uh, You've never stated a belief that you believe he died in your place and that uh, God accepted his payment for our sin and that by simply saying Jesus I believe you that he will come into your heart into your life and begin that work of transformation so that you have forgiveness of your sin in eternal life. Is there anybody here today who say I want to say yes to Jesus for the first time and if that's you would you take a brave step and just raise your hand and maybe let your eyes catch my eyes. Is anybody here at all? Father. Would you stand as we get ready to leave? Father, I just pray a blessing over this people, our people, your family. I pray that as they go, they would be blessed in every way. I pray that they would experience the transforming work of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus in their hearts and their lives. And that fruit, goodness would flow from their lives and that the world would know, the world would know who Jesus is because of what's happening in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.